Next. You're tuned in to the all-new Action One Network. Turn up your volume. All right, everybody. This is your host, Shenga, SG2 on Space, episode number 50. Uh, so today here in the States, it is October 31st, Halloween, which for many of us is could be quite spooky. Um, I haven't noticed anything amiss myself, but I figure in our topic today, we're talking about some really, really strange things. I'm also going to have a associate of mine on. I believe he is going to call in. Um, and he's a very interesting guy. I'll introduce him in a little bit um, after he calls in. So, But first, let's do uh, the intro. SG2 on Space, episode 50. Follow me, facebook.com slash The Shen Show. Yes, that used to be the name. Unfortunately, I still can't change it. So facebook.com slash The Shen Show here at the studio of Action One Media Group. That is at, uh, follow them at weareA1.com. And on YouTube, if you search, you will find a playlist of all the shows, almost all the shows. And that search would be SG2 on space. All right. And uh, last but definitely not least, uh, you guys should support me. If you want this to, you know, be better quality, uh, at Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash S-G, the number two, S-G-2 on space. And this is something I feel like I haven't iterated enough since. All right. So go donate. That'd be fun. Um, And do more stuff. All right. So book intro, right? Um, I got this book from the library. In fact, I got two books, but let, let's talk about this one first. This one is called Unconventional Flying Objects. A former NASA scientist explains how UFOs really work. So there's a lot of books out there that talks about, you know, sightings of UFOs. 
Um, but how many really talk about the technology that could be behind it? Well, the, this book does. So um, I'm just going to read a little bit about from the back. All right. Uh, da, 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 da. Let me see. Paul Hill was a well-respected NASA scientist when in the early 1950s he had a UFO sighting. Soon after, he built the first flying platform and was able to duplicate the UFO's tilt-to-control maneuvers. Official policy, however, prevented him from proclaiming his sightings. I was destined, says Hill, to be unidentified as the flying objects. For the next 25 years, Hill acted as an unofficial clearinghouse at NASA, collecting and analyzing sightings reports for physical properties, propulsion possibilities, dynamics, etc. To refute claims that UFOs defy the laws, law of physics, he had to make technological sense of the unconventional object. And last paragraph. After his retirement from NASA, Hill finally completed his remarkable analysis. This book, published posthumously, presents his findings that UFOs obey, not defy, the laws of physics. Vindicating his own sighting and thousands of others, he proves that UFO technology is not only explainable, but attainable. I clearly have not read this whole thing, but it'd be cool to read it. All right. Okay. Typically, I don't present another book, but I will because I thought this was really awesome. Um, so as you guys know, I also write. Uh, I write poetry, short stories, whatnot. Um, in fact, since this is my show, I might as well tell you, uh, if you want to read my poetry or some other works, you can go to facebook.com slash Shenga Creative, S-H-E-N-G-E Creative. Okay. So, you know, writers could improve as well. So I actually uh, got this book from the library called The Hidden Machinery by Margot uh, Livesey. I cannot, I don't know if that's how you say it. The Hidden Machinery. But anyways, this is entirely a book of essays on writing, which is, I think, pretty fabulous. All right. So um, I am learning quite a bit from reading it. So she goes through, talks about various passages of writing and how to better write it. All right. So uh, I'm not going to dwell too much on that, but uh, if you guys write or have interest in improving your writing, this would be a good book. Okay. So with that, um, let's see here. Do we want to go on break? Do we want to bring somebody on? Mm -mm. But I will tell you this. Um, actually, you know what? Let's see here. Uh, let me just check if Leonard's able to call in here. He's not on. Um, so while we're trying to figure that out. Um, You're sitting on the internet all day. Why not go ahead and fill out our survey? Man, you still here? Go on and subscribe. Man, you still here? Go ahead and fill out our survey. You know, some of the other things you got going on. Absolutely. So uh, thank you for having me. I feel like... Uh, so think like two thousand. On the internet all day, why not go ahead and fill out our survey? Man, you still here? Go on and subscribe. Man, you still here? Go ahead and fill out our survey. Growing up as a black kid in New Jersey, all I ever wanted to do was be a pro athlete. All of my role models were black athletes. And every time I would stare out the window and look at the sky and wonder what I'd be in the future, it always had to do with me catching some crazy football and, and scoring a touchdown. When it came to the point that I was told that I would not be able to play on an organized sports team for the rest of my life, it was something that I really didn't even know how to stomach in the moment. And I remember walking out of my cardiologist's office and just sitting in the hallway and breaking down for a few minutes just because it, it, it was something that I just couldn't plan for and couldn't account for. And I realized that in that moment, my entire life was going to be changed. And all of those dreams and, and hopes and aspirations that I had were going to go out of the window. All right. So we are back. Episode 50. SG2 on space here at Action One Media. Uh, as noted, hopefully you're watching it, facebook.com slash the Shen Show, the old name, or um, on YouTube, SG2 on space. 
So today, since it's Halloween here, um, October 31st to be precise, <coughs> 2019 still. Wow, the years pass by.、Um, figured to talk about some, you know,、uh, some weird stuff. But li- why don't we bring、um, Mr. Leonard Kramer on as well? So it's a short background.、Uh, Leonard also is in the same building as me、um, at the Boeing building. And、uh, he's a very interesting guy, aerospace engineer, also a artist, and、um, who knows what else? I don't know. I mean, he's just pretty creative, does interesting things. So, Leonard, are you on? Yeah. Can you hear me? I'm not、you、sure if I hear, hear you, but、um, I recall we had a conversation about airships last week. And you drew a parallel.、Uh, so, so, we're going to start talking about that actually. You drew,、uh, and I, you drew a parallel between <clears throat> airships、um, and the space shuttle. So, in terms of the fact that we, I believe it was because,、uh, in terms of airships, back in the 1920s and early 30s, we had this, by we, I mean everybody, anticipated that to be the future. The like, world,、yes. say right now, 2019, instead of riding airplanes, we will be riding airships going everywhere, right? Of course, that did not happen.、Uh, similarly, in regards to the space shuttle, when we did that,、um, the original concept was to, you know,、uh, run that like at least a few times a month、um, <coughs> reusability, right? And we'll get a space. Of course, that never happened as well. So, in both cases, we had these visions of technologies transcending in the future, which did not happen. So,、um, that's, that's pretty much what I got out of from our you know, conversation in terms of that. So, yeah.、Um, do you have any insight? Insight? Well,、okay. I mean, that was, well, that was kind of. Let's see here. I'm sure you're saying something, but. <clears throat> The other thing that I, I recalled you saying,、um, I believe, was actually, first of all, let me g- guys give you、uh, the viewers a backdrop on what airships are, right? So, you, you know, you, you guys have seen blimps in the sky and all that jazz. Goodyear blimp, right? So, that is not what I mean when I say an airship. When I say an airship, when we're talking about that, we meant actual valid ways of transportation. And this was taken very seriously in the early 20th century. So, one of the most common ones、uh, was, say, one of the most notable ones was the Zeppelin, right? And actually,、um, back in the early 20th century, you, you, there were, you could take、um, cruise liners, I suppose,、uh, to cross the ocean, ships, which could take months, or、um, you take airships, which doesn't take months, all right? And those are typically fairly luxurious as well. And so Zeppelin, say, was a, was a German company. And, you know,、uh, American companies built it as well. And, you know, you go from, say, Europe somewhere、uh, to, to America and, and back, right? And you can really go anywhere.、Um, so, in fact,、uh, Leonard, I believe, was telling me that when some of the buildings were built in New York City during that era, for instance, the, the Empire State Building, they anticipated airships to be able to dock there. So, they actually、um, had a, a platform、uh, near the top so that the airship could, could dock at the Empire State, which is pretty amazing when you think about it today. Like skyscrapers as pretty much、um, docking ports or flying up there.、Yeah, that's, that's interesting, right?、Uh, but that, that was the concept back then. Now, it wasn't just civilian aircrafts, not aircrafts, civilian,、um, what do you call it? Airliners? Airship liners? I don't know what you call those. That had that. The military also you know, had a lot of interest in those because they presumed that、um, it, airships could be used for transporting stuff. It could be used as、um, aircraft carriers. Now, when we think of aircraft carriers now, we think of these giant ships in the ocean carrying, well, airplanes. Airplanes could take off, right? But imagine if you could have a floating. Platform in the sky carrying a bunch of small airplanes that could fly off.、Uh, 
the Navy actually built a couple of those, and they worked to a degree. Uh, they actually so the, they were humongous, and they were able to have these aircrafts that would take off right um, from from underneath the the, the giant Zeppelin uh, Zeppelin thing, the airship. So unfortunately, those had a lot of issues, and um, I forget what the name was, but it, there, there were two of the most massive ones the Navy built. Both of them basically killed people um, in that they were very hard to control. Uh, one of them sunk in this storm, so it had a bunch of issues even before then. But the, its final death day was when it went into the storm. It was just winds, right, and couldn't control it. The, the back uh, rudder, since airships, they, you still need that to control which direction you go to. That just, like, flew off or whatever. And then so what ended up happening is I crashed in the ocean, and pretty much everybody died except for three people, um, which was pretty dismal. And then its twin, which was built pretty much exactly the same, that also suffered a terrible fate as well, although not quite as dramatic. Um, so on the civilian side, you guys have probably – People have probably heard of the Heisenberg, um, and that I that disaster, um, Heidenberg, sorry, not Heisenberg, Heisenberg, uncertainty principle, I don't know. So Heidenberg, uh, the disaster, that occurred on May 6, 1937, uh, in Manchester Township, New Jersey, United States, and that was the LZ-129 Heidenberg. Caught fire, destroyed during its attempt to dock with its mooring mast at the Naval Air Station, Lakers. Uh, there were 97 people on board, 36 passengers, 61 crewmen, 36 fatalities, which was 13 passengers and 22 crewmen. If you saw the pictures, you would have expected everyone to die. Um, these things are pretty slow moving, so not everybody died, but it was still um, pretty bad. Since photography, you know, there was definitely black and white photography. Um, and, it, you know, so, so they cover it, and usually cover it, and it looked crazy. I mean, it was made of hydrogen, okay? So, you know, you know, hydrogen ignites? Yeah. So, um, any case, so, so ignited, blew up in a fireball. It was just horrendous. And people were like, hey, um, we are not going to do this anymore because. It is, you know, it, it basically marked the end of the airship era in terms of civilian transportation. Um, and as I was saying, that the Navy was trying to do it too, and then, you know, there were a bunch of disasters there, which did not work out very well. All right. Um, so that that was the anticipated future until, what is it, 1937, right? May 6, 1937. I think that was the, the death blow with that. Um, Heidenberg disaster. Um, so, in terms of the space shuttle, which I'm going to relate to, okay, so airships is not something we typically talk about on this show, but, you know, why not foray into it a bit. So, in terms of the space shuttle, um, you know, so first of all, what is a space shuttle? Space, sh space shuttle is retired, okay, since, uh, I believe, 20 2011. Um so the space shuttle was was meant to be yeah. So the first flight was on April twelfth, nineteen eighty one. So the space shuttle was meant to be a pretty much completely reusable um, orbital spacecraft. You know that goes into the, say orbit around the Earth and then it could come back and could do it a bunch of times every uh, every month. Um, so the idea was you know kind of like an airplane, right? Do do you guys like ride an airplane and then the airplane blows up and then you got to build a whole new airplane? No, that's not what happens. Uh, that's why flights are actually pretty cheap. You pay a couple hundred dollars, you can really go anywhere, right? So, um, well, maybe not quite anywhere. It depends on your flight, uh, where you're going. But point is that that was the idea for the space shuttle that you could do that. Now, it never reached that stage. So, our dream or NASA's dream, which I would extend that to the whole public stream um, back in the 1970s was that you would build a space shuttle and it will earmark the next 
revolution in space travel. Like, you would be able to set so much stuff up in so little time. Everything's going to be great. Um, if I lived back in that era, which I did not, um, you know, I was I was born, what? I'll just tell you guys, 1986, all right? So um, I think I look younger than the year I was born. But anyhow, point is, um, yeah, if I was living back in that era, I would have assumed, hey, yeah, you know, that's what's going to happen. Except it didn't, of course. Uh, there were a lot of complications. And what ended up happening is that it, only, it was only partially reusable and clearly carried more risk. You know, you, you heard of the Challenger and Columbia disasters. And so what ended up happening is that it took months of preparation in between flights. Um, so it was never able to, you know, launch more than, what, a few times a year. And even then it was really risky and it required tens of thousands of people maintaining it. Um, so in no way was it similar to an airplane in terms of the amount of effort and the risk it posed. All right. Um, it did last 30 years. So that is, uh, I think that's about the span that airships lasted, if I'm not mis around there, perhaps. So um, now, am I hopeful these things are going to come back in the future? Yes, I am. I think technology sometimes goes around in a circle. What I mean is this. Um, something may not work in its first incarnation due to you know economics or poor technology in certain aspects of it. But then people will think about it and be like, yeah, this makes sense. For instance, um, using rockets to get in space really even reusable rockets in some ways doesn't make that much sense all right so um the ideal way is to have something like a space plane that can go up and then come back right which is what uh, a number of companies are working on uh in fact uh, yeah and, and the military as well as always so um i think for me personally, I think the future in terms of the economics lies in um, definitely reusable, I would presume, horizontal takeoff uh, vehicles, uh, takeoff and landing vehicles, kind of like an airplane, except it can go into space. So, um, versus our present day gigantic rockets. All right. So, any case, um, do I hear somebody online? Yeah, it's Leonard. They finally got me through. Leonard, finally. It's glad to. Uh, I think I pretty much summarized everything you're going to say, right? <laughs> I don't know. I hadn't, I hadn't actually been listening. We've been struggling trying to, to figure out how to get the uh, how, how to get me on, but uh, uh, I'm on now. What were you talking about? Were ships? Is that what we're going to like the Zeppelins and stuff? Okay. Well, you know, I was basically expressing what I knew, which was about. Um, so to reiterate for for uh, Leonard here. So I was talking about Zeppelins and, and the space shuttle, about how both of them, uh, when, during their era, people presumed them to be the future when they did not turn out to work as anticipated and there were a bunch of disasters, and so, um, so that did not materialize. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, I guess, you know, the thing about me is I, I'm kind of like, uh, you know, I told you I'm kind of into steampunk. Yeah, and tell me about that. So, so it's the vision about taking yourself at a certain point in time, and then trying to trying to imagine what the future would be like, given what you know at the time. And so, say I'm I'll take you back to the 1850s, say, and, and you only know you only know about steam power. You don't know about electricity. You don't know about these other things. So you try to envision the what the future is going to be like. Um, so sometimes when you look at, um, like, um, mm -hmm. um, you know, literature and thing, people writing about the 1920s and the 1930s, uh, they have this vision of the, the uh, airship, the Zeppelin, as the wave of the future. That's how air travel is going to be, right? right? And it turned out it didn't, it, it, it didn't really work. I mean, it didn't work both because of the safety issues. But also because of the uh, technological, uh, the you know the technology overcame it. You know, the the jet engine started coming online and so forth. But mostly, I think that they they abandoned uh, zeppelins 
um, because they keep, kept having accidents, especially in the United States. The Navy kept having accidents with them. And then there was the big famous uh, Hindenburg that exploded. I actually but, uh, mentioned uh, both the Navy and the Hindenburg. So, um, so it, yeah, go on in terms of the well, – yeah, well, just go on. But, but the, you know, the, the, vision, the vision of that – of the Zeppelin – uh, was like a, lux- a luxurious um, ship that you would you would fly in, and they were flying from uh, Germany all the way to South America, and it was it was a very expensive trip mm-hmm. for very high high class uh, wealthy people, right? Um, so forth, and so so it's you know it kind of captures the, my imagination um, in, in a lot of respects from that that point of view. Um, um, but uh, actually, one of the things that happened was in, uh, in 1929, 1930, the stock market crashed and we had this depression and the world mm-hmm. was kind of like on, uh, up, upended. And that kind of put a kibosh on on what was going on in the future. But the parallel with the space shuttle is, is I mean, it's a criticism of the space shuttle, really, because the space shuttle was uh, uh, was envisioned in the late in the early 70s, mm-hmm. under uh, under the Nixon administration, when they when they started winding down Apollo, we're going to have this airplane, and that was the vision. It's an airplane that would fly into space, and then it would come back down and and land like an airplane, and you could reuse it over and over again. And so there was like a vision that that um, everybody bought into, and it never it really didn't it it was technologically an amazing vehicle, an amazing accomplishment technologically. You can't take mm-hmm. anything away from that. But we're not making shuttles now. We've, we're not going to do shuttles anymore. We learned really, uh, nobody really wants to say it, but we, we learned not to do that. Each one was uh, almost a half a billion dollars for each flight, something like $450 million every time it flies. Wow. Um, and the main, a lot of the reason for, Pushing the shuttle was military. Uh, the the, the uh, Air Force or whoever. There's another organization. There are several organizations that that are involved in um, uh, mm-hmm. intelligence. You know, trying to uh, uh, satellite. You know, satellite intelligence, and they they want access to space to be able to go and bring things back and take things up, so forth. But so a lot of the impulse for for uh, pushing the shuttle with military, but after Challenger, um, we didn't do any more uh, military flights. I guess maybe a lot of people don't know that there were, I don't know how many, there were several, maybe maybe three or four classified missions for the shuttle prior to 86. Is that when yeah, that's, Challenger? Yeah, that's, that's when Challenger yeah. incident happened, so. Yeah. That's that's rather um, interesting. I'm not sure if uh, a lot of people knew that. Um, so yeah, you're drawing this parallel between the what the shuttle was anticipated to be versus, say, yeah, the airship. Exactly. Yeah. Right. So and and, and um, they had these these spectac- a couple of spectacular accidents that really um, uh, confronted people with the enormity of of or the you know the the danger. Um, so, so those parallels, uh, also another thing is, you know, the, the Zeppelins were so expensive mm-hmm. that really they needed, uh, they needed a national government in order to sponsor them. They needed to be, um, uh, they needed to be subsidized. I, I know that there was a company in Germany called Zeppelin. Yes. That was the name of the company and they operated, uh, civilian flights, um, from as I say, from Europe to South America and to the uh, to North America, that was what the Hindenburg the Hindenburg was carrying passengers. Right. But uh, anyway, that's that's the that was that was something that occurred to me. So, um, do you think these? I well, let me hear your views since you didn't hear. It. Do you think these technologies could come back? Maybe not in the previous incarnation, but. Like for instance, let's take an example of airships. Do you think that could come back?
Okay. I'm, I am not sure if you heard my question. Um, mine. Yeah. What's that? Go ahead. Go ahead. Okay, I was saying, you know, you had that, you know, back in the early 20th century, there were these steampunk visions of the future. Now, granted, we we have airplanes now, which, um, but do you think airships could still play a role in the future? Like, could there be something like that? I I don't know, Shin. I I it has I don't know that it's. There's been various proposals for that that you read about from time to time, but I I'm not. I'm really not an authority on on you know the practicality of the uh, airships so i i kind of doubt it right you know there was a uh, since, since you're i mean i don't know if you read this thing but a while back i was reading something about uh floating platforms on venus so have you have you heard of that like the yeah did you... um yeah there's been balloons that have been flown in the venus atmosphere Hold on, I got some trick or treaters here. Okay, not sure what's going on there, but um, no, there's. I've just got trick or treaters here. It's it's okay. I'm we're we're good to go. You're all on the air, by the way. <laughs> all right. Okay. Well, all uh, right. That's what, that's interesting. Um, I mean, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? You want me to just not answer the door? You know when. When the trick or treaters come, you 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 gotta gotta do something. That so. that is that is extremely true. Which I am very glad that I'm not there, at the. No. But but happy Halloween for anybody who's out trick or treating or you know watching the show later and it's like all right that that's cool. I used to do that as a kid, go around knock on doors, um, and get candy. Haven't haven't done that in a while, so, um. So, Leonard, has it, has anything uh, strange happened to you? I, I'm curious, since uh, you, you've lived an interesting life, I'm sure. Since it is Halloween, I I would like to know if uh, if you have personally experienced or heard something that's weird that you want to share. Um, I was struck by lightning one time. All right, tell me about that. Um, I it, this was when I was uh, in college, maybe oh early 80s I think and uh, I was I was driving to a friend's house in Baltimore uh-huh I was getting out and it was like it was like it was like Halloween time it wasn't quite this quite I don't think it was Halloween night but it was around that around that period okay um, and uh, I was getting out of the car and there's this thunderstorm coming up and the the the, uh, the house was a it was a large house Actually, it was a dude that rented rooms out to college students. He was like a wealthy guy. I don't know what, what you know, anything else about him. Right. But uh, I was getting out of the car, and the and the um, the chimney of his house got struck by lightning. Mm-hmm. And the ground current, you know, uh, like passed through my body. I could feel, I could feel, I, could, I got shocked, basically. Um, and the, you know, I guess the current, the current flowed up you know, through from one leg to the other leg. And, and, um, and it, I had, uh, in those days I had, a one of those, uh, liquid crystal watches, you know, digital watches when they were first coming online. Uh, not um, really, but go on. No, you don't know what I'm talking about. Well, it was a black, there had black, um, uh, black numbers on and it kind of like normalized and I could taste some kind of metallic sensation in my uh-huh. mouth. But I didn't die, and I did not lose consciousness. But I was never the same again. So, um, or so they. Yeah. So after you got struck by lightning, did you gain some powers or some mental perception I, shift? You're not the same I, I anymore. No, so. I think so. I have a I have a good memory now, and um, anyway. Anyway, that's a true story. I got struck by lightning. That was my experience getting struck by lightning. Okay, that's that's really interesting. I I can't say if I've ever experienced that. Um, I there there was a guy who was uh they say he was cursed or something because he he got struck by lightning like seven times in his life. Um, which is crazy. 
Like every time. Yeah, he need, probably needs to be. Uh, yeah. So you you've been you've been struck by lightning only once. Only once, and I wasn't really struck by it. I just experienced the current from right. the from you know I was standing, and then the light the the lightning hit the house, and then the current ground zoom, and then I I intercepted some of it. Yeah, yeah, wow. Well, I'm I'm glad you uh you're you're alive. So that 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 really um that's pretty important. <clears throat> I think for you, um, yeah. I, I'm sure this world would have been very different otherwise. So, uh, wh what about any anybody else that you may know of who's experienced something weird? Experienced something weird. Yeah, mm. why not? Um, nothing's coming to not nothing's coming to my mind right this moment. I mean, I guess uh, I have met a lot of people. Hmm. That's, hmm. that's fine. So what? W let me ask you this, Leonard. What would you like to experience that that you know that's a little out there? Um. I'm presuming you don't want to be hit, hit by lightning I, again. So, or well. So what would you like I'm, to I'm, see? Go ahead, Shan. So my question is, what would you like to experience or see that, you know, that'd be like, hey, that was interesting or strange? Um, some of the things I kind of don't want to mention, uh, but I would like to, uh, I, I would like to experience like a seance or some kind of paranormal type of thing like that. So far, I haven't really. Uh, I have I have spent time down in Galveston uh -huh. talking to people who um, uh, claim the entire area is, is uh, haunted, and I can understand that because uh, um, in the 1900 there were um, what 3,000 people who perished. Right. And so when you walk around, you do get a kind of I don't know if you noticed this. You know, when you walk around in Galveston down on the Strand. Uh huh. There's a spooky kind of sensation that you get. And if you go into some of those places and talk to people, um, they'll tell you about strange experiences, ghosts that they've seen. Uh, there's one dude that makes uh, jewelry down there, and he swears that when he puts his tools away mm -hmm. for the night, uh, a lot of times he'll come back downstairs in the morning and all of his tools are scattered all over the place. And, um, so, and they attribute that to the, uh, to the ghosts of the people, thousands of people. When you go down there, there's like particles of dead bodies there because they cremated. They actually, you know, I don't know if you know the story that, uh, I don't. um, they, they collected the bodies and they, they sent them out on barges and they mm -hmm. came back, you know, they, they, they washed back up on the beach and, so they ended up doing, you know, um, large. Uh, they, I mean, I'm sure they were respectful and everything like that, but you, you can't have bodies, you know, right laying around. So, so Galveston is kind of a spooky place. So I do feel something when I go there. There's also some pretty cool uh, cemeteries and, and such like that. Are you are you saying um, there's cool cemeteries in Galveston? Um. Or just in yeah, general. I, I used to do that. I don't do that anymore. I used to go and and you know hang out in cemeteries. I took a date to a cemetery one time. I wow, checked that off the list. I I am uh, yeah. somehow not surprised. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> myself, uh, I tell you, I I've gone to cemeteries by myself. I mean, I don't know. This feels nice and peaceful hanging out with people who's died. Um, but uh, the date part, no, haven't done that yet. So that's interesting. Um, so yeah, no, like, hmm, you hmm. seances. That's that is something where yeah. you you want to experience, but haven't yet. You said I, haven't, I have not experienced the state, not a real seance. Seance, right? Uh. Okay, I'm gonna tell you that uh, 
for everybody on air, you might as well know anyway. So I myself have gone to see a um, psychic in the past, um, a number of years back. And I didn't ask any particularly like meaningful question, I don't think, which, which in hindsight was, I wish I did, but any case. But, but um, you know, there, there was definitely some doubt beforehand. I know there's a lot of quacks out there. Uh, for myself, though, th this particular lady, she said a few things which turned out to be very true. Um, and not to go into too much detail, but she, she said something about me, which I was like, hey, wait a minute. You shouldn't know this. That's what I was thinking in my head. And then the the other thing was, um, so she read my, um, she did all this through reading uh, tarot cards. Uh, and and the other thing that she said was, there's going to be some kind of party or event that you're going to attend or maybe hold, and you need to be careful on what you say and what you do. And and then I was like, oh really? I mean, yeah, probably, yeah, whatever. Um, and then I, I really wish I listened to her because I made a huge fool out of myself. So um, the really? point is that, that this, I, I definitely think there are um, uh, people who are able to do that. That This particular lady, and, and who knows, there might be other ones as well. She also said that she could like, if you pay her, like, I guess more money, uh, she could do this crystal reading i think where you know she could find out who you would marry or who you should be with in the future um assuming that that's what you want to know or, or some other you know deep question like that so i i never did that but i was like this is interesting so um anyways i'm just sharing one of my i don't know if you call this paranormal but one of these experiences so um I am, you know, I'm pretty sure there's, there's, you know, there's things out there. Um, I don't know how yeah. these people are able to do it, but I don't know. They're hooking up to something. Well, I, always, I always say that, you know, I'm open to that. I really haven't had, I haven't really seen anything that I can't explain, but um, trust me, I'm open to that. Right. I, I want to experience it. So Leonard, uh, one of the things that this particular psychic, I so I mean, I saw her back in what 2011, I think, uh, either 2010 or 2011. But she she told me that people who do not have an open mind, uh, she can't get through to them. Like it just doesn't work. So you have to ha keep an open mind. Um, so like for instance, when she did the tarot card readings. You know, if 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 it's a tarot card or however you say, it, if somebody doesn't believe in it, like it's like, oh, this is all just dumb stuff, then then she then she's not going to be able to give you an accurate reading. Um, so it's like a self fulfilling prophecy, which I find kind of interesting. In that so, um, but the the reason I believe this was legit was because it, it, there were very few questions asked. There was basically, if I recall correctly, it was like. I think it was just like my name and she had no idea who I was when I walked in my name. And yeah. then that was, and maybe one other information that was it. And then it was just flipping the cards. So yeah, it was pretty wild. Um, we're going to have to take a short break. I'm going to reveal something also really strange that happened to me. Uh, but, but we will, we'll take a short break. We'll be back. Stay on. You're sitting on the on. internet all day. Why not go ahead and fill out our survey? Man, you still here? Go on and subscribe. Man, you still here? Go ahead and fill out our survey. Yo, we back at it again, baby. What? Get in the action. Three. Get in the action. Tell me what is the deal. Tell me what is the deal. So I challenge you today. Start strong. Can you feel that? Yeah. Yeah. See, I'm calling for you. Can you feel that? Yeah. Yeah. 
Can you feel that? This is episode 50, uh, SG2 on Space here at the Action One Media Group um, studio. So, we've been talking about airships, space shuttles, how those two were anticipated to be the future and not. And since it's Halloween, I decided to go in the direction of something weird. We have online, or on the phone rather, uh, Leonard Kramer who is a, uh, besides being an aerospace engineer, very experienced. Um, he's also a, um, a sci-fi fan, steampunk enthusiast, painter, <laughs> artist. Uh, I, I don't know. Who, who, how else would you describe yourself? Actually, I'm curious. Oh. Oh. Um. <laughs> oh, I just live for the moment. I, I don't know. You know, I've been taking a class in uh, um, German longsword fencing. What? Uh, German longsword fencing. You're a German longsword. Okay. Yeah, I have a German longsword. It's it's a it's a it's a uh, it's a martial art. Do, do do you dress up in armor? No, don't be silly. Well, I, I have a friend who, uh, I don't know what you call it, Society of Anachronistic whatever. They dress up in armor and hit each other's swords. That's that's all I know. Anachronistic. Yeah, yeah. I saw some of them at the Renaissance Fair yeah. about, what was it, three weeks ago. Boy, I, I could, uh, they're not they're not trained. I'm, I am a trained swordsman. I can, you know, I can, I can, I can walk the walk, as it were. You're a trained swordsman. A tr I I am trained in the art of German longsword um, uh, fencing, if you want to call it fencing. Uh, where do you do that, Leonard? That's awesome. Um, oh, there's a there's a uh, it's called Sword to Sword. It's over on the west side, off of um, Blaylock, on I-10. Uh huh. And uh, People should go out and, and just show up, you know. And I think they have a Groupon kind of thing where you can you can do that. It's called Sword to Sword, and you Sword to Sword, and you go yeah, there. Just, I mean, do you go there like frequently? Yeah, Sunday mornings. I, I've been on a hiatus recently because I'm taking a, a painting class at Rice uh, in the evening, and so I, you know, I'm just like doing one thing at a time, but. You can just go there and uh, and learn about how to um, use a longsword. I think I just found it. Uh, sword to Sword is located at 1212A Cedar uh, Post Lane. So, wow, that's interesting. Okay, so... Um, you thought I was making that up? What? <laughs> yeah, but, but uh, so you also do painting. I think I saw one of your artworks recently. Um, is it, it's, it's a, uh, was a, it's a woman, right? I think, I don't know who well, it is. Yeah, that's, that's a, that's a copy of a masterwork uh, by an artist named Mabel Alvarez. She was born in Hawaii uh, in the, 
I think early 1890s. She died in 1980 something, mm-hmm. uh, and she painted the picture. We don't. I guess you can't really show it, but so I've been copying that. I've been working very diligently to try to copy that that picture. It's part of a class that I'm taking at Rice in the evenings um, because I don't have any formal artistic training. I just picked up some paint, a paint set about oh a year and a half ago, and started painting and I haven't stopped. So I've been knocking one out, you know, every few weeks. I just, it's it's just, it's just what I do. I'm a curious character. What, what can I say? That's actually a remarkable trait. I mean, you guys can't see it. The ones that's watching, but, um, I had no idea that Leonard only, you, you only did this for a year and a half because it looks pretty darn amazing. So, uh, your your paintings. Yeah, I am some kind of mutant, I guess. <laughs> uh yeah. I I would say in some ways that that's not you know that's not a bad thing. So, um. So any what? anything else that interesting that that you you do that's uh, that's not so conventional. Not conventional. Yeah. Why not? Um. I uh, I build like little electronic equipment. I mean, well, well, you and I have been working on that uh, Radsat. Did you tell your uh, audience about the? No, about the little since project? I I'm not sure if that's something I would like to disclose openly on the air here. So, but okay. but uh, you well, yourself work on. You're going to be like, well, what is that? It must. What is this? <laughs> mm-hmm. So, um. Hey, before I went on break, I was actually going to talk about something weird. Um, so my family, then this gets kind of personal. Um, for me, in terms of the strange, so to say, the the supernatural world, um, and I don't think this this is not something I've disclosed on air before, but I've told enough people. So honestly, <clears throat> I have believed in that um that sphere or whatever you call it the unexplainable uh from a very early age primarily because my my mom or maybe it's both my parents have informed me of what happened when i was about two years old um may long story short is that i you know what i'll just tell you the story so why not this, this doesn't take just very long yeah yeah you might everybody's hearing it leonard you're hearing it so so essentially, what happened was um, uh, th- this was in China. So I was I was born over there, and <clears throat> my grandma, she was um, I was at her village, um, and she, you know, you know, I frequently went to my grandparents' villages uh, to visit. Um, so I was I was two, right? So I didn't know what was going on. So she put me on this in this cart. You know, she was wheeling me around. Um, and there's there's this river that there's this uh pretty deep river that's that's right next to the trail um, so and there's a hill so she went and I was in this metal cart and she went to grab something or like tie her shoes or, or something so she she didn't pay attention and this for like a few seconds and then this cart uh, rolled down the hill she ran after it but it was too late and it basically rolled into the river, this metal cart with me inside of it. And of course, I had no idea what was happening. I don't even remember this. This is just what people tell me, right, in my, in my family. Uh, so she goes, and she's desperate, and somehow this whole thing is not sinking. It's just floating, and I am alive. And, and, and she got the cart and got back on dry ground, um, but it was really strange, and I was told when I was a kid, uh, that by my mom that hey, you know, um, the so and so who, by the way, I I never remember the name, but anyways, it's one of my um dead ancestors. Uh, so my mom would tell me that she was the one who saved you, since otherwise, um, how can we explain this? You could have died. You would have died. So. Um, wow. and, and, you know, I've been told that story a bunch of times 
And, you know, I'm like, okay, I guess uh, I don't, I mean, I'm sure that incident happened. Why would you make up a story like that? Um, and this, the same lady, by the way, who I really wish I could remember what the name is. But anyways, uh, she it, it almost acted like a guardian angel, um, protective spirit in, in our family. Because uh, there was a uh, uncle of mine, he used to run business and he would need to travel. Uh, and there were a couple instances where he could have gotten on a, a plane or like a bus or, or a train or something and, and there was an accident. So, But he always had like a dream beforehand where he was told not to, you know, say not to take the plane the next day. Uh, and then guess what? Um, you know, he, he listened and then and then something did happen with, say, that flight. So, um, and, and I was informed that, hey, you know, it's this, it's the same entity who who's protecting him. And well, yeah. So, and and I'm like, wow, you know, at least two lives, mine and this uncle of mine, were were saved. Uh, you know, so I've always been rather grateful for the entities that's at least the good ones that's that's beyond our natural world so um anyways that that's my personal um story here which i have yet to reveal to the public until now so guess now everybody knows that's cool yeah i mean um hey, now, hey i just re i just remembered you know i actually think my house might be haunted because I keep hearing some kind of noise, like at night, um, and it does kind of freak me out a little bit. Did um, you go on. Well, it's like some kind of squeaking sound. Like, like uh, um, I have a two-story house, and and the upstairs, uh, if you walk on the floor, the floor, the the uh, the subfloor pieces of wood will kind of like squeak, and a lot of times I just hear that. And I'm just, you know, I just live here by myself, and so it's uh, uh, a little bit freaky. But uh, I'm just, uh, I guess I'm all right. That and uh, so I forgot about that. You hear, that. you hear the squeaky sounds from upstairs as if somebody was stepping on the floor. Yes, or like somebody was standing stationary and and moving back, moving around a little bit. Huh. Like that. Huh. That's that's interesting. Yeah, I can see why that's scary. Um, do you ever go upstairs and look around and see if there's anything there? Well, I mean, I sleep upstairs, so, you know, there's nothing there. Okay. So, But, I mean, it's, uh, you know, got, I'm, uh, I'm on alert for, you know, like something paranormal going on. I'm always open to that, but I don't know what the explanation is. Um, my daughter was here over the summer, and mm -hmm. uh, she couldn't get she couldn't get into the house one time because there was a bat in the garage, and mm -hmm. she was freaked out by that. So there's there's like bats that are around here, and there's bats like and ghosts in your house. Wow. Bats that sounds really spooky. <laughs> so Yeah. But oh wow. Um that's that's interesting. I mean, if you set up something, I don't know, maybe you rec you could record the sound and see if there's I don't know. I mean, you could do a scientific um experiment on figuring out what the cause is, I suppose. Uh, I I suppose. Yeah. But uh, I myself have yet to ex experience that. Um, maybe I haven't lived anywhere that's especially uh, old or something happened. But, Leonard, uh, thank you for your time. Um, we are unfortunately um, out of time here on the show. But oh, no, really? Yes, I'm sorry oh, for the mishap. Okay. Hey, I'll tell you what. We'll bring you back on. Let me, let me talk to you. And, um, you know, in person, we'll figure out. We can bring you back on. Talk about something else. Okay. So don't be disappointed. <laughs> All right. Okay. So for everybody else, uh, and really, thank you for listening. Uh, this is SG2 on Space. Before I depart, 
Uh, I gotta give a big shout out for Jonathan Norman, who's of the Action Squad. Uh, he's apparently went to the U.S. Open for bowling. An Action Squad, by the way, is anybody who's who, the core group of Action Wear Media Group. All right. So uh, Jonathan Norman here, great. All right. So follow me, Facebook.com/slash/TheShenShow. Uh, subscribe to the YouTube channel for SG2 on Space. Support me on patreon.com slash SG2 on space. And check out Action One Media Group. Any of these uh, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, whatnot. All right. So last but not least, I will end with the famous lines. If you watch my other episodes, you know what they are. All right. I will just say it. Look up because you never know what you will see. Take care. Peace, it's brother Atum Ryan. You tuned in to Action One Network.